0: Good morning and welcome to the Commission on Aging and Adult Services September meeting.
1: Will the secretary please call the call the roll? President Gustavo Serena. Here. Vice President Katie Liu. Here. Commissioner Michael Pappas. Here. Commissioner Teddy Vrijes. Here. Commissioner Jeremy Wallenberg. Here. And please note that Executive Director Sheree McSpadden is present. At this time we ask that you please silence all electronics and sound producing devices.
0: Thank you. Um, Before asking for approval of the agenda, I'd like to note that we made one modification. There will be no closed session today. So with that change, may I have a motion to approve the agenda?
2: So so moved.
0: Second. Second. Thank you. All all in favor? Aye. Aye. Thank you. Motion carries. Item three, approval of the August 15, 2018 meeting minutes. Do I have a motion to approve? So moved. Second. Any comments or questions? Comments or questions from the public? Hearing none, call the question all in favor? Aye. Thank you, the motion carries. The executive director's report. Welcome back from vacation, Shireen.
3: Thank you, good morning, commissioners. Um, Just a few things, since we met three weeks ago, um, we haven't had a huge amount of activity at DOS since then um, that's reportable, but I do have a couple things I wanted to mention. The first is that we have convened our um, residential care facilities work group to look at um, residential care facilities, the need for residential care facilities in San Francisco, um, kind of working with residential care facilities to talk about how we can help, how the city can help maintain the stock that we currently have, and how we might even think about expansion. Um, So we're looking at what, what is the need for the supply, what, you know, what what the the demand is, what the supply is, and then we'll look at some strategies to make sure that we're thinking about um, residential care in the best way possible for San Franciscans, and that includes maybe looking at some state waivers. It also looks at um, working with other departments maybe to look at some incentives that the city could do to help keep people in business. Um, And so I'm excited that we've launched that. We're hoping to have recommendations for the city By the end of the calendar year. So the work group is off and running. Um, We've got a couple committees off the work group that are meeting, and we'll be reporting back to you over the next few months about the progress that that committee makes, I mean, that that work group makes. Um, The chair of the committee is Dan Kaplan. Um, Cindy Kaufman, Deputy Director of DOS, is very active in it as well. Um, We've got other staff people too involved, um, as well as other departments, Office of Economic and Workforce Development, Department of Public Health, um, to name a few. So it should be exciting. We know that there's, we we believe that there's a crisis, especially for poor people who need assisted living in San Francisco. Um, So being able to kind of crack that nut would be great. Uh, second thing is, I just wanted to announce that um, SB 1045, which was a bill that Scott Weiner was carrying, um, which is which is meant to um, increase the powers of the conservator's office to reach out to people who are um, drug addicted, grave, gravely disabled, due to drug addiction, um, mental illness, and that stuff. It's a, it just would help help increase the powers a little bit. Um, So that passed, and I wanna commend and thank Jill Nielsen, our Deputy Director of DOS, for really, really helping to spearhead the effort um, that in San Francisco to make this work in San Francisco. So um, we're working through what now, what that would look like to roll it out in San Francisco and um, we'll know more in the next in the next few months as well. I think that the mayor is hoping hoping that there will be an ordinance passed by the board to accept um, San Francisco's moving forward with this expanded power of conservatorship. And so we'll have more information about that in the next few months as well. Um, the third thing I wanted to, and I did mention this to um, President Serena, but the mayor announced last night that we have a new commissioner um, who I assume Bridget will be reaching out to immediately, um, and that's Martha Knudsen, who's been an act, you know activist in the LGBT senior community, for sure, um, has a long history of, of um, prominence in San Francisco, so it would be really nice to, I'm assuming, that you'll be very happy to welcome her um, as one of your members, so that's exciting. And then I just passed out to you the... Um, Department of Aging and Adult Services response to the mayor's July 2018 policy summit, as many mayors do when they come into office. uh, Mayor Breed had a policy summit to really get the the best experts and voices of San San Franciscans in a variety of areas. So one was children, youth, seniors, and family. Um, Another was equality and equity. Um, healthcare, homelessness, housing, transportation, you know, issues that affect San Franciscans in general. And a bunch of recommendations came out of that policy summit, and departments were asked to respond to the um, policy recommendations. So, this is the response. Specifically, um, the response is to the recommendations. So it's not going to be all inclusive of of the work that DOS is doing, but I thought that you might like to see it. So I just made copies for each of you so that you could read it at your leisure. And I think that's it for now.
0: Thank you, Shireen. Um, Any comments or questions to Shireen? Commissioner Wallin. I did
4: have one question, thank you. Um, I recently read in the San Francisco Examiner, and I believe we spoke offline briefly about the potential imposition of a federal work requirement that could jeopardize the food insecurity of about 3,900 individuals in San Francisco. I'm wondering how many of those um, might be identified as seniors, people with disabilities, or might uh, fall under our purview of folks that potentially we could proactively help get through that Um, troubling news.
3: Yeah, I think so. Yes, you're talking about the public charge issue. Um, That's something that human services agency and I'm going to speak um, as part of the agency at this point because it really affects clients um, and residents that we serve across the agency. And so we're working really hard to figure out one to figure out what the numbers look like um, to to let our staff know. You know how to respond to questions that people have because we're worried about people fleeing programs just because they're concerned about this. We're almost more. I mean, we're, we're concerned about when it happens for sure and how we'll respond to it. We're also concerned that what happens is a lot of immigrant families, when they get worried about things like public charge or you know getting caught up in the system, and they already have a fear of government that they will flee programs that they very much need. Um, we have a lot of family maintenance programs and things like that, and so we are working to look at, to get the numbers and to figure out what our response as an agency should be. We're working very closely with the mayor's office and other departments um, because everybody's really worried about this. It affects a lot of San Franciscans, especially given the diversity and the number of immigrants that we have living here.
0: Thank you. Any other comments or questions? Michael?
5: I just want to express my joy at the announcement of Martha Knudsen coming on board. Uh, We both served at different times on the Human Rights Commission and both chaired the LGBT Advisory Committee for the Commission. She is going to be an asset to this group, and I am thrilled at that announcement. Thank you very much. Thank you.
0: Shereen, I have a couple of um, questions. Um, First of all, I think it's great that the expanded conservatorship legislation has passed, but it is... Isn't it experimental and limited to San Francisco and a couple of other cities or counties in the state?
3: It is limited to, it's a pilot, so it's limited to a few counties, LA and San Francisco, um, and there may be other counties involved I think now.
0: Los Angeles. Maybe. La,
3: yeah, LA. Um, yes, it is experimental. I mean, I think this is this is an opportunity to look at how it's gonna work, and there's certainly, we already know that there are gonna be some barriers to success. Which means that there may need to be amendments to the law um, in the near future, but we're really trying to see if this can make a dent in the, you know, serving, helping to serve the population that needs to be served. Um, people who don't sometimes know that they need help or treatment and treatment and need a nudge to get there. Right. So. Um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be tracking it very closely, and it's not a huge number of people to begin with, so it it should make it very easy for us to figure out, okay, what's working, what's not working, do there need to be changes to the lot to, to to make it more um, viable.
0: Yeah. And and while it is not a huge number of people, it is. Many of them are the highly visible people that we see on the streets every day, and they are also people that use up an enormous number of resources, a tremendous amount of resources for their care because the care is limited um, to emergency-type things and temporary housing or temporary right. um, maintenance for them to get them off the street. So this should help mitigate that. Uh, it's a very good thing.
3: I think that... And I think the challenge always is trying to figure... You know, this conservatorship is a very, very specific tool um, for people who are very ill right and I and one of the things that you need to have in order to make sure that it's successful is you have to have the resources to be able to provide people with both treatment they need the, the correct level of housing that they need um, you know and the encouragement and all of those things that that go along with intensive you know intensive case management all of that and so it all has to come together at once and you know that's you know that level of intensity is really expensive. It's why very few people um I mean, you want to do this with very few people. People are losing their rights to make their own decisions with this, but you know it can be a very effective tool for people who are that 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 very end point. so
0: thank you. And one other comment on I think it's terrific that we're looking into maintaining, if not expanding, residential care facilities in the city. How are we defining them? Is it? acute care for people or does it include independent living for people who um, may not need constant care but may need some so right
3: now what we're looking at is trying to to assess the need for assisted living so for people who need not necessarily medical services and medical care but who need more custodial care um, that's that's really what we're looking at so you know there's a need for there are people who could probably live at home if they had enough hours of in-home supportive services, for instance. But the the system doesn't allow for that, and it's very expensive. And and when you can bring people together, I mean, certainly in some of the larger facilities um, that are fifty or more people, you you know, you get more bang for your buck. But also sometimes people prefer that because of the social the social factors and all of those things. But it, that's what we're thinking about.
0: Okay, and one final question. Um... How are things working within the department with the change um, since Barbara Garcia's retirement? Has, are things moving along okay? Any idea of when her replacement will be announced?
3: I do not know. I know that the mayor um, is hoping to have a replacement as soon as possible. Um, obviously, it's a it's a very challenging job, a huge job, and takes somebody with a lot of experience and and all of that. So I'm su- I'm sure it will take some time. Um, Greg Wagner, who has been the CFO of Department of Public Health is acting director right now. And I think in general, you know, our relationships with the people that we work with closely at Department of Public Health will not change. I mean, we have some good partnerships with that department and we'll continue those. I just wanted to also add to your, to your initial question about conservatorship, um, San Diego is also one of the counties that's participating.
0: Thank you very much. Anything else? Any? Yeah, I, I want to
3: follow up on the conservatorship, uh, no, the program.
6: How many people are we talking about, and how much would it? Do we get some extra money to do this pilot program?
3: Um, the city doesn't get money to do the pilot program, but <clears throat> there's some money for the courts, um, but not for the city, not for the county. Sorry, but um, we're probably talking about very few people. It's. Yeah, it's a small number. When I don't know exactly, I don't want to say exactly what number it is yet. I mean, like I said, we're working through some barriers, and so we know it's not a huge number of people, and if there are amendments to the law, maybe it'll be a higher number of people, but right now it's fairly small.
6: And the other question is the residential uh, um, committee you, are, you have uh, from different departments. Mm -hmm. You're going to submit something to the mayor's office. Correct. So the program is supposed to start in the new year, uh, July 1st, or what?
3: You know, I don't think we're that far along yet. We've really only had one meeting, um, and we don't have the solutions yet. So I I think, you know, I mean, ideally, we would be able to go back to the state and ask for something, and because because we understand that, you know, people certainly need certainly need residential care in San Francisco. It's also very expensive here. Um, so there may be a way to to think about you know how to use Medi-Cal dollars for that, but we also have solutions probably that are gonna be more local. We just don't know what those
0: are yet. Thank you. Thank you. Any comments or questions for Shireen from the public? Thank you very much, Shireen. The next item in the agenda is Employee Recognition, the Department of Aging and Adult Services, DOS Commission oh i'm sorry yes come on i'm sorry i didn't see you thank you
7: thank you sorry i didn't get up quite fast enough jessica Lehman with senior in disability action um i wanted to make a couple comments about the issue of conservatorship um, mostly i want to let you know that there's significant community opposition to expanding conservatorship in san francisco or anywhere in california <clears throat> from the disability and senior communities. Um, we have a community coalition that's coming together that's led by Senior and Disability Action Coalition on Homelessness and the Mental Health Association. Um, basically, as Shireen pointed out, this is taking away people's rights, and there's major concerns about what that looks like, especially when we have such a huge and horrible history in this country of institutionalizing um, and forcing treatment on people with disabilities. There is some misinformation in San Francisco that we have all of the services people need and people refuse that, and that's just not true. We don't have enough housing. We don't have enough voluntary mental health services. Once we have those available, then we need to see our people accessing them, and if not, why? But that's not the case right now. Um, So we really hope that you'll look at this carefully and that we can work together to figure out how people can get the services they need without losing their rights. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Any other comments or questions from the public? Thank you. Next item on the agenda is employee recognition. The Department of Aging and Adult Services, DAS, Commission and Executive Director, Shereen McSpadden, will recognize Tiffany Kearney from DAS Office on Aging for her hard work and dedication.
3: Oh, okay. It's okay to be embarrassed sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so this is a very exciting day. Um, so Tiffany is working on, a. And she's part of a very small team that we have at DOS, and that's our Dignity Fund. Um, but the Dignity Fund team really, really integrates the rest of the rest of DOS I mean I think really gets to work with a lot of different and very cool people so um, one group of those people is the office on the aging um, and a lot of you guys are here today and I just want to talk a little bit about um, you know really DOS I guess what we call it DOS administration and so often we don't get to talk about DOS administration here we talk about our different programs but our administrative staff really really help make make things flow. And I, I think particularly in the Office on the Aging um, and Dignity Fund, what people are really doing is working in the community. Um, they're doing nutrition work in the community. They're doing analyst work in the community. Oh, <laughs> cut off. Um, they're doing analyst work in the community. They're, they're really the, the eyes and ears of um, our office when it comes with respect to working with our community partners. Um, and residents of San Francisco. So Tiffany is among a very special team of people at DOS. And she stands out because she's worked so hard and put so much effort and energy into really working on all of the Dignity Fund um, contracts that we have. And so that's why we're celebrating her today. And what I'm gonna do is actually read what her colleagues have written about her. Tiffany is the program analyst for the Dignity Fund. As a program analyst, Tiffany develops RFPs, does contract mods, monitors program services and contracts, and provides technical assistance to community providers. She does all this very well and very thoroughly. But the exciting aspect of Tiffany's work as a program analyst is that she is deeply committed to the Dignity Fund and its intentions. It is obvious in everything that she does that she takes very seriously San Francisco's voters' interests in seeing that funds are dedicated to developing new and innovative services to older adults and people with disabilities. Tiffany is committed to the folks we serve, and underlying every effort is the paramount desire to enrich their lives and ensure that they have access to services that will improve their quality of life and wellness. Tiffany is dogged. (laughs) That's a pretty serious word. She leaves no stone unturned when she's researching something. She wants to make sure she has all the answers to any questions that might be asked. Tiffany is also not afraid to ask questions which everyone admires. We love her sense of humor, and we love her laugh. Um, the SFHSA planning team has had the opportunity to work with Tiffany on a number of projects. She's energetic and, and a collaborative partner. She's al- she always shows up with her own ideas and research, but is also willing to consider other approaches and demonstrates her interest in learning more. Tiffany sometimes decries her data skills, but in truth, she brings an incredible level of passion and curiosity for numbers, analysis, and data-driven decision-making. It's so fun to work with Tiffany. We never know, quite know what she's going to say. <laughs> but it's always something good. And Tiffany's commitment to the community goes deep. In her, quote, free time, she runs the shelter meal program for St. Ignatius, Ignatius Church and additionally is often making and donating pies and cookies to various community agency events. And I think, you know, Tiffany is one, it, what is really valuable, and we have people who come from a lot of different, backgrounds, and um, we know that Tiffany, um, Tiffany worked at Bayview Hunters Point Senior Services before she came to us, and it's always so valuable to have people come in who have real community experience, and um, I've certainly seen that with you, Tiffany, it's that you bring this just this, this value of, of really thinking about our community partners as partners, and you really think about San Francisco residents, and I think it's because you've worked with them, and you've worked with, with our community partners in the past, so thank you so much, and your employee of the month for September.
0: There is no advisory council report, and next is Diane Lawrence with the Joint Legislative Committee report. Good morning. Good morning,
5: Commissioners and Director McSpadden. The Joint Ledge Committee has not met in the two weeks, but what I wanted to do was uh, follow up on the action items from last the last meeting, so that was off the agenda, and we can focus on bills that have been passed and signed. Uh, Commissioner Wallenberg, you asked about the grab bar bill and whether there had been a change. Went back and looked at it, and yes, there had. It's, they've gutted all that language, and it now looks at um, the Department of Building um, Standards reviewing rules. So I'll have that language for you in the report that will go with the minutes. Um, there was mention of AB 1811, which was um, talked about CalFresh, um, eligibility, uh, that was not something we had been tracking, but it's an omnibus bill on health services and it impacts IHSS, uh, CalFresh, and a couple, uh, couple of other um, programs covered by the agency. And again, I've, I have those all detailed um, for you. And then lastly, there was a question about why um, the one of the uh, bills, I believe it was 1914, I should remember that from work, um, was gutted. It's now become a bill. There's, I couldn't find any reason why they gutted it. They just took the number, same sponsor, and they've now made it a bill that went from presence at uh, uh, health care facilities of folks with, um, that have been convicted of crimes to new rules on excavations. So it's, it's quite the turnaround. So those were the three major questions I took away from the last... Meaning, it's, it's, it looks like it's response to some of the CAL FIRE issues. Um, because CAL FIRE is mentioned in the bill, but it's obviously outside our, our purview.
0: Thank you, Diane. Any comments or questions for Diane from the Commission? Comments or questions from the public? Thank you very much. The Long-Term Care Coordinating Council Report, Valerie Coleman. <laughs> Good morning, Commissioners. Director McSpadden, I'm Valerie, a Program
5: Analyst with Uh, And I'm here to report there is no report. Um, We actually did not have an August meeting. And just a heads up, we will not actually have a September meeting either. So there will not be a long-term care coordinating council report until October. They're still working on um, sort of a lot of the work that came out of the retreat a number of months ago.
8: Thank you.
0: Thank you. Um, Case report.
8: Good morning, commissioners, and Director McSpadden, Greg Moore, co-chair of CASE. Um, A brief report uh, as well. Um, I would like to apologize for being unable to present report at uh, the August meeting. Um, I did submit a report, so hopefully you had an opportunity to uh, look at that. Um, Last month uh, kicked off our annual budget advocacy um, effort. Uh, we had a very robust attendance of our member agencies giving input uh, suggestions as to where they thought funding should be allocated in next year's budget. Um, This is the first step in our process, which will continue through the fall. Um, We have in September and October representatives coming from the uh, Dignity Fund Oversight and Advisory uh, committee, as well as the uh, uh, work group, service providers work group, um, so that we can hopefully better align all of our our focus and efforts um, towards funding. Um, we did not have our monthly meeting with Director McSpadden. Um, I guess we had to let her go on vacation, um, but look forward to meeting with her um, again this month to continue our conversation. Uh, about about our uh, interest and and desire to um, have uh, a Celebration of Aging event uh, this next calendar year. Um, And finally, would like to uh, let everyone know that after a long process of uh, conversation and getting feedback from our member um, agencies, we have moved our uh, meeting site for case meetings to um, Catholic Charities at 990 Eddie. Uh, and as always, we welcome, invite, and welcome um, commissioners to attend. Any questions?
0: Thank you. Any comments or questions for Greg? Okay. Any comments or questions from the public? Thank you very much. Thank you. The next item on the agenda is um, the presentation of the DOS fiscal year 1819 schedule of requests for proposals, contract modifications, and contract renewals. Michael Zogg, and you're on your own, apparently.
2: Uh, good morning, Commissioners. Executive Director McSpadden. I'm Mike Zog, Director of Office on the Aging, and I'm here today uh, to give the community and the commissioners an overview of what our sort of calendar year looks like, or our fiscal calendar year, I guess, looks like, with regards to um, various programs and contracts that will be coming before the commission. Um, so before I actually jump in jump into this year, I actually wanted to take a quick moment to reflect on seventeen eighteen. If you may recall, and in, in May and June of last year, we were quite busy. when I went back and tabulated it all up. We processed something about like ninety six contracts through the commission in the may um, in the May meeting and through two uh, June commissions. So I wanted to acknowledge all the work that 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 went into that process, and to say it was a heavy lift, but one with great impact. When I go back and estimate how that's going to set up services for the years going forward, those 96 contracts are going to provide services for over 36,000 um, adults with disabilities um, or, and older adults on an annual basis. So again, um, thank you to everyone for all the work that went in on that, and particularly uh, Bridget, who has to uh, coordinate all of that for all the commissioners and has huge packets everywhere and things. Um, so looking forward um, to next year, or the year we're currently in. Um, I'm actually uh, forecasting a lighter load. Um, In April, May, and June, forecasting about 50 to 55 contracts. So uh, hopefully that'll be uh, a little less uh, challenging than the 96 we went through. Um, uh, Requests for for proposals. Um, These are all typically either programs that are new or programs where the contract has expired and we have to procure new contracts for them. Um, You'll see in the beginning of the year, we have quite a few of our Dignity Fund um, uh, 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 programs, including intergenerational programs, which are out, that RFP is actually out uh, right now. Um, I've annotated uh, where you see where there are Dignity Funds involved also with an asterisk where um, those programs are set to start in this current fiscal year. Some of our RFPs later in the year actually will be set to start July 1 of 2019. Uh, Just a continuation with the rfps we are going to plan this year to release quite a few of our um, rfps in january of this year this will be for contracts that start july 1 of 2019 um, as we go through them you'll see them start to appear um, in april may uh, and june uh, commission meetings Hi. just a couple to, to highlight smart money and coaching is actually a continuation of the um, LGBT-friendly uh, financial serv- literacy services, which were born out of uh, the LGBT Aging Task Force recommendations um, that were launched. Uh, that program has actually been in existence. It will be for two years before we start the, the new one. Um, in January, we're also seeing our elder abuse um, uh, prevention programs, our ombudsman program, and our, uh, uh, Center for, our suicide prevention and emotional support services contracts coming forward. Um, uh, new contracts or modifications, so um, typically in the first half of the year we're going to see um, coming before the commission a couple of new contracts and then a lot of modifications. This is where we have seen new funding infused through um, budgetary um, uh, uh add backs and various other sources to support or expand current um, Current uh, programs, so you'll see um, some of them have already come uh, before the commission in August. You have a handful um, uh, today, and then the rest throughout uh, October at the October commission. Um, In particular, um, things of note: we have a we have a lot of increase in some community services in District Nine, District Eleven. We're seeing uh, District One and District Eight. District 5 and District 7 all um, receiving additional support for community services and related programs. Um, We have a large amount of funding coming for nutrition services. This is a mix of um, uh, of ADBAC as well as Dignity Fund um, funds. These are gonna support um, home delivered meals for adults with disabilities. They're gonna support our congregate meal programs and they're gonna further expand our home delivered grocery uh, programs. And also, worth noting in October, we'll see the we're working on our LTC, um, LGBT Bill of Rights uh, handbook uh, support program. That's going to be development and publication of a handbook, um, as well as trainings for uh, long-term care providers. Okay. Um, throughout the year, we also have renewals. Um, these typically happen in the second half of the year. Um, this is for... These are contracts that we have RFP'd and already awarded an an initial term. Um, Usually when we award a contract, we award an initial term and then have the option for renewal for an additional, often one to two years. Um, So these are some of those contracts that are going to be coming uh, before the commission um, in the second half of the fiscal year. Um, The larger ones being our SF Connected uh, program, which is about seven contracts, um, our adult daycare, Um, and uh, Alzheimer's Daycare Resource Center contracts, which are about seven contracts as well. The other ones are smaller one or two contract uh, program areas. So that's all I I have for you today. Any questions or comments?
0: Thank you very much, Michael. Um, Any comments or questions from the Commission? It's nice to have a preview of coming attractions. Any comments or questions from the public? (coughs) Hearing none, thank you. The next item on the agenda is to review and approve, review and approval of the Supplementary Nutrition Assistance Program Education SNAP-Ed Contract SP1819-06, associated budget and all subsequent amendments and notification to the Self-Help for the Elderly Grant Agreement excuse me, and modification to the Self-Help for the Elderly Grant Agreement to include SNAP-Ed funds. Welcome, Linda.
1: Good morning, Commissioners and Director McSpan. Um, f- Present in front of you is the entire packet for the contract that we're uh, proposing um, to um, accept from the uh, California Department of Aging. Uh, this is the SNAP-Ed. It's the Um, Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program Education. Um, And the goal of this program is to increase access to physical activity opportunities and healthy dietary choices for SNAP-Ed eligible population. And these are under 185% FPL. Um, Through the prior prior year approval uh, by the California Department of Aging, DAS will utilize these funds to administer the snap project through the continuation and development of um, these following programs. One, the Tai Chi for Arthritis for Fall Prevention Program. Um, Second, Walk with Ease Program. And third, the Garden Project. Um, All these three will be completed in collaboration with various community partners. Um, Just a little bit information about the Tai Chi for Arthritis and Fall Prevention. We've had, um, this will be our fourth year implementing this program. And it is train-to-trainer type of model where we offer this training to any of our community partners who's willing to send either staff or volunteer to um, this two-day training, intensive training. Um, And then once the uh, staff or volunteer is certified, they can bring this program back and implement it and start this in their own um, facility or agency. Um, And um, the... So our goal for this new contract year, uh, 2018 to 19, is to train at least another 24 certified um, um, Tai Chi trainers, and then be able to offer um, additional um, classes and increase the opportunity for um, older adults to be able to take Tai Chi um, classes in the community for free. Um, The second program that we will implement is Walk With Ease. This is also a evidence-based program, and this will be a new program that we will be adding. Um, it is basically um, offering a program that is uh, that has been developed to, uh, it's a six-week program, <clears throat> And it's held um, three times a week walking program. And there's um, guidebooks as to how to do it safely. Um, and it is targeted for people with arthritis. So anyone who's uh, basically older adults, um, help them with uh, improving their strength and also their uh, mobility. Um, the other program that we will be including, of course, is a, um, a community event, which um, self-help the elderly is our lead agency who will organize and implement at least two community-wide events to outreach and publicize all these programs especially the Tai Chi and the Walk with Ease program um, to various partners and eligible participants with the garden project um, it is we're targeting two sites who are interested in this program um, this would be the Cannon Kipp Senior Center and also, the OMI Senior Center, they already have a garden started. Um, this will, the small amount of funding will help augment them by providing a um, garden consultant who can provide the training and other advice to their garden development. Um, and with the garden project, of course, not only will it give it um, an increased opportunity for physical activity, but also, um, uh, seniors will be able to grow edible plants and food for, to supplement their diet. Um, and it will be a fun project for them. Um, the last project is the nutrition education uh, materials and supplies for the nutrition providers. And this is, um, again, um, allocating money to an, our uh, congregate meal providers who's willing to participate and um, in various of these nutrition education campaigns to help um, get the word out and also inform and educate and help people um, to uh, improve their, not only their shopping skills, but also their um, how ways to um, eat healthier. And also, uh, it's an opportunity for them to know where they can get some more uh, physical activity uh, resources as well. And so with this, we are, um, the total funding amount is 142578 for fiscal year 1819, and the, our proposal is to allocate 3,338 um, internally for DOS operating expenses and training, and then the remaining 139,240 is recommended to self-help for the elderly who will implement all the um, uh, mentioned uh, programs and activities. Um, I'm happy to um, answer any questions you may have.
0: Thank you very much, Linda. Any comments or questions from the commission? Any comments or questions from the public? Hearing none, call the question. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Thank you. Thank you again, Linda. The motion carries. Item B, requesting authorization to modify an existing grant agreement with the Spride Center doing business as ReliaTech, for the time period of July 1st, 2018, to June 30th, 2019, in the amount of $208,286, plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $229,115. Welcome, Paolo Santos.
9: Good morning, Commissioners, Executive Director McSpadden. I first want to make a couple of corrections um, in the agenda. Um, the modification amount is 10000 Right. Yeah, and it's for the fiscal year eighteen nineteen.
0: Thank you for clarifying that.
9: Um, again, uh, the purpose of this modification is to include a line item in Stride's budget for small um, cost purchases for the SF Connected Program. The SF Connected Program is our uh, digital literacy program for seniors and um, adults with disability here in San Francisco. <coughs> Uh, Through the years we've come across unexpected technical issues um, and a lot of them were resolved by purchasing these small items. Examples would be um, internet network switch or a Wi-Fi extender. Um, We've never had a line item and um, without this line item we would see a kind of a break in service because we have to go through the city procurement process. Examples would be also uh, cable management for these labs. A lot of the cables were set up um, when this program was um, initially federally funded back in 2011 to 2013. And so a lot of the um, cable work needs to be updated. And also we help facilitate if ever an agency decides to move the lab within their agency, um, we help unplug, replug, and uh, make sure the cables are of the correct length for, um, to deter tripping hazards i um, open to any questions you may
0: have. Thank you. And just for clarification purposes, um, I've been told that the reason we are voting on this $10,000 item is that and, that, and it's not on the consent agenda, is that the total contract amount exceeds $25,000 and therefore even a modification cannot, for this amount cannot be on the consent agenda. So. Any comments or questions? Uh, Commissioner,
5: do we have to vote to um, amend the agenda if we're going to change the agenda? Oh, yes, 10, uh, sorry, 000- We have
0: to, uh, sorry, vote to amend the agenda as Paolo. The amount increase is $10,000, not $208,286. Correct. With that amendment, any comments or questions? Commissioner Wallenberg. I just
4: wanted to note that the uh, BTOP or SF Connected program is a phenomenal program at over 50 different locations in, in the city. So I wanted to thank you for your work on that. Um, and also just ask, in general with the program has there been a lot of private sector support being a city that is so uh, rich for lack of a better term in such um, robust technology companies employees that could provide training and volunteer support uh, in kind yeah it, in initially
9: um, when we transitioned from federal funded to local funding um, we did get a lot of tech companies providing in kind support through um, their employees providing training. Um, we did have initially a program at the mid market area, Twitter employees. Um, Sandes- Zendesk was the other one. But a lot of these also support go directly to our um, community partners, um, our grantees for this program. They actually handle the kind of facilitation of getting these employees in. And we also have the tech council that's kind of part of this um, program. They help bridge the private public sector um, to kind of move forward this aging and technology kind of initiative.
4: I know we work with the Community Technology Network as well, who is a tremendous organization working with technology trainers. Does it seem like we are keeping pace with the need of volunteer support for training at these sites or would an additional uh, effort or push uh, be required, do you think, at this point?
9: Yeah, uh, CTN or Community Technology Networks has about 60 to 70 volunteers in a given year. Um, It does ebb and flow. Um, They also try to do a really, they try to do an intergenerational kind of programming with this computer training. Um, They also recruit um, USF students. So depending on the school year, it does go up and down. But um, we also have other grantees um, and These different grantees have different project models or business models. Um, CTN is fully volunteer-based, but we also have, we work with CLC, which provides stipend for all their computer trainers and self-help. So we're able to kind of reallocate a lot of the trainers if needed. Um, And if we do identify a tech lab that's, you know, that needs more trainers, um, we, we kind of do an ad hoc meeting and figure out how we can fill that gap.
4: Thank you. Any
0: other comments or questions? Any comments or questions from the public? Hearing none, call the question all in favor. Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Thank you, the motion carries. Thank you, Paolo. Item C, requesting authorization to enter into a new grant agreement with Mission Neighborhood Centers with the provision of community services program pilot during the period of July 1st, 2018 through June 30th, 2020 in the amount of 265,000 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed 291,500. And our Employee of the Month, Tiffany Kearney, will present (laughs) this.
10: Thank you and good morning, commissioners and executive director McSpadden. I am presenting a new grant agreement with Mission Neighborhood Center for a community service program pilot aimed at engaging older adults and adults with disability living in District 9. Mission Neighborhood Center is located in District 9 and they have a long and successful history of providing community services um, as well as serving older adults and adults with disability in um, District 9 neighborhoods. The Dignity Fund community needs assessment that was completed in March of this year identified gaps in service engagement for older adults and adults with disability in a few districts. District nine was one of those districts. The community forums that were held as part of the needs assessment process also highlighted that multicultural and creative activities are valued and desired in district nine. Mission Neighborhood Center's new programming will be focused on participatory art and cultural activities. These activities will include weekly art, guitar, and salsa classes. A unique aspect of the salsa class is that individuals will have the opportunity to participate in a study that will be conducted by UCSF Memory and Aging Care Center whereby they will measure the impact of the salsa class on participants' physical function, their level of reported loneliness, and their sense of belonging. The program pilot will serve over 230 consumers each year. This grant will allow Mission Neighborhood Center to expand their services to include programming on Saturdays and to conduct outreach that is tailored to addressing challenges that may be unique to communities in District 9. We are very optimistic that the new and expanded programming will engage eligible consumers who are not currently participating in services, and we are also looking forward to learning more about the impact of these participatory art and cultural activities on the target population. I'm happy to answer any questions you may have.
0: Thank you. Um, Any comments or questions from the commission? Commissioner Liu. Mm
6: -hmm. Yeah, I'm looking at the operating expense detail. (laughs) is Exhibit B, page three. Okay. Okay, my question is, the printing and reproduction is 1,800 for the current year, and next year it'll be zero. And uh, also the insurance, 600 current year, Next year is zero. I'm wondering whether the agency is uh, flipping in the expenses. Surely you will have some printing, and surely you need insurance.
10: Yeah, that is all true. Um, with this particular grant agreement, um, the funding that was available was $121,000 ongoing. Um, their original um, proposal was for $144, but there just isn't. We don't. The department doesn't have the extra um, money at this time. And they, the Mission Neighborhood Center believes that they will be able to cover it um, next year.
6: Yeah, it would be nice if they put a, a, um, a note down so that we know that uh, they are doing it. And I'm pretty sure that uh, a lot of agencies are subsidizing the program. Um, um, because there's just not enough money. Yeah, But it that would be nice true. to know, instead okay. of leaving a blank, people saying, oh, they don't have anything. They don't do any printing.
10: Right. Okay, thank you.
0: Thank you. Any other comments or questions from the commission? Any comments or questions from the public? Hearing none, call the question. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Thank you, and thank you, Tiffany. The motion carries. Item D requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with Family Caregiver Alliance, FCA, for the provision of expanding the range of caregiver support services to meet the needs of caregivers with limited English proficiency, low literacy, and or, monolingual, and, and or are monolingual. During the period of July 1, 2018 through June 30, 2020, for an additional amount of $550,000 for a new grant amount of $1,800,000, plus a 10% contingency for a new total amount not to exceed $1,980,000, and again, Tiffany, thank you.
10: Thank you. I'm. I am now presenting a modification to a grant agreement with Family Caregiver Alliance, FCA, for respite care. The Dignity Fund Needs Assessment that was completed in March also underscored the need uh, to support caregivers and especially those who are monolingual or have limited English proficiency. This modification will expand the type of services available to caregivers and enhance FCA's ability to serve individuals with limited English proficiency. The modification will allow FCA to increase their language capacity by hiring one bilingual Spanish and one bilingual Cantonese caregiver consultant. It will support the provision of additional services such as assessments, counseling, and translation that are as important as respite care itself in helping to maintain a caregiver and care recipient's well-being. These services were not included in the original grant agreement. Lastly, in an effort to reduce language barriers and further increase access for limited English-speaking caregivers, the modification will enable FCA to create audio recordings in English, Spanish, and Cantonese of their most popular information fact sheets. In year one of the original grant agreement, Family Caregiver Alliance provided over 12,000 hours of respite care to nearly 100 caregivers, exceeding the target number of respite care hours and consumers by 2% and 25% respectively. The original grant also had a focus on reaching monolingual speaking caregivers, and FCA was successful in reaching that population. At least 40% of the consumers who received respite care identified as Chinese, and within that 40%, almost half indicated that they needed translation. The additional funding will allow FCA to increase the number of caregivers served by nearly 50% and provide a much more comprehensive menu of services. I'm happy to answer any questions the commissioners may have at this time.
0: Thank you, um, any comments or questions from the commission?
10: Oh, and one, one quick thing. Um, there was an error in the budget um, on, there was a totaling error on um, page four. Thank you, Katie, for pointing that out. Um, the total um, for January 1, 2018 through 6-30, 2020, um, the very last um, uh, box there should also be 405000
0: Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Liu. Thank you. Okay. Commissioner Liu.
6: Yeah, I, I just want to know um, the, uh, you have two subcontractors. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is self-help for the elderly, and the other one is Catholic Societies. I'm just wondering the... the how many units of service uh, the seventy one thousand represent and the 10,000 respect uh, represent just count of curiosity
10: so self the respite care hours are not changed with the modification so um, self help is still going is still going to do the respite care hours which I think was roughly about one third of the hours and um, Catholic charity um, was roughly about 235 days of adult day care. So the, the amounts of the amounts that are allocated to them did not change in the budget. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Any co- other comments or questions from the commission? Any comments or questions from the public? Uh, hearing none, call the question. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Thank you. The motion carries. Requesting authorization, item E requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with Bernal Heights Neighborhood Center for the provision of community services for seniors and adults with disabilities during the period of July 1st, 2018 through June 30th, 2020, for an additional amount of $100,000 for a new grant amount of $1,152,196. Plus, a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $1,267,415. Welcome, Monte Chimino.
11: Good morning, President Serenya, Commissioners, and Director McSpadden. My name is Monte Chimino, and I'm a program analyst with Office on the Aging. Today, I'm here to present a contract modification for Bernal Heights' two community service sites. Before I get into my description, I just wanted to make note that it was brought to my attention that the fringe rate is uh, inaccurate in the budget. It's listed at about 13.9%, but we believe the actual calculation to be around 23%, so just to note that we will get that resolved and fixed. And then finally, um, on the Appendix F, the site chart, there was an error in the annual number of meals served, and I'll be working with the executive director to get that completed and fixed as well. sorry for any inconvenience that those have caused. Thank you. Uh, So both sites uh, have a history of serving a diverse group of seniors and adults with disabilities. With the additional funding, Bernal Heights Cortland location, which is located in District 9, will hire a .75 FTE bilingual English and Spanish social services coordinator at 30 hours per week. This additional staff member will focus on providing social services that are culturally and linguistically in line with the needs of the population that attends the center on a regular basis. Next, the Mission Street location, which is in District 11 in the Excelsior, will also hire a .75 FTE bilingual Chinese and English-speaking wellness and social service coordinator at 30 hours per week. This new staff member will help coordinate wellness, wellness activities on Saturdays, research and recruit wellness vendors, presenters, and other wellness resources, as well as providing social services to the seniors and adults with disabilities that attend the site. Thank you, and I'm happy to answer any questions that you may have.
0: Thank you, Monty. Any comments or questions from the commission? Any comments or questions from the public? Hearing none, call the question. all in favor. Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Thank you, the motion carries. As I stated at the beginning of the meeting, there would be no closed session today so we are now at announcements. Are there any announcements? I have um, one announcement to make and that is yesterday's New York Times in the science section had two articles that related to uh, seniors and adults with disabilities. The first was Jane Brody's column which talked about how muscle strength can be recovered after lengthy periods of illness and inactivity. It was very encouraging to read because having good muscle strength is essential for fall prevention, mobility, and many other things. So that was encouraging. The second article was much more controversial. And it dealt with what appears to be a change regarding the concept of suicide um, among baby boomers versus older adults. Uh, Suicide still remains linked with depression, with physical frailty, with many of the things that we're aware of here through our work and through our involvement in the community. But younger adults, in some cases, see it more as an issue of controlling when they die, and because they have experienced what their parents and grandparents have gone through with dying from dementia and other terrible illnesses, they seem to be more determined to not go through that and not impose that on anyone else. The article also said that people change their minds frequently about this topic as they get older, but it's important to remember that there may be indeed a generational shift beginning, and we should keep ourselves aware of that. Um, it's been a taboo subject for many, many, for, for centuries. But the taboo doesn't seem to help. It's more important to discuss it, and I think the, both articles would be worth reading. It's in yesterday's New York Times. Thank you. Thank you. Um, that's it for me. Any other announcements or comments? Okay. Well, the meeting is adjourned. Jane Brody. She writes regularly for the science fiction. This other one was a new.